0: And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Deal with a mind like yours. Matthew,
0: Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes, follow me. Me, <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for.
2: You will regret this, Matthew.
0: What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. I put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Hey, it's Dallas and the creator of The Chosen, and yes,
2: see- You c- can stop the video there, Cass. Thank you. <laughs> Friends, my name is Lauren and I'm part of the team here at New Life Brisbane and it's my absolute honour to get to speak with you and share with you about our week two of our vision month, which our topic is glue in community. Last week, Pastor Alex brought an incredible message about what it means for us to gather the lost as our first discipleship priority for New Life as a church in 2022 and I get to continue this this week. Um, I was wondering if before I get into that, you would join me in prayer because I'm feeling a bit nervous. I don't do this very often. And um, I actually want God to take what I've prepared and use that to bless us and to cast a vision for who we might become. So I need help to just like get over myself in this moment to do that. So will you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, come. Come. Come flood this space. Come flood our hearts. Come take over all of the places within us that are preoccupied by our own anxious thoughts or our schedules or what's happening this week. Come and speak to us. Use what I've prepared. Get rid of anything that isn't going to bring glory to your son Jesus. And soften our hearts to be awoken to the kind of community that you might be calling us to be and to become. We want to see more people, more like Jesus. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done here in Brisbane as it is in heaven. And we need your help to do that. We need your leadership to do that. So come and lead us this afternoon, Father God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in that. Now, if you were paying attention a few moments ago, if you have any kind of prior knowledge of the timeline of the events in the biblical history, you may have put two and two together that 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 video and the scripture reading were out of order. Anyone notice that? A few like sneaky notes. Um, That was on purpose. It's kind of weird. It's a weird way to start a sermon. I know things being out of order, that bugs me too. But it was on purpose because what I want to highlight to us is that hindsight is a beautiful gift. Hindsight is a beautiful gift because you see the same guy who Jeremy read from, his words, who had this incredible clarity about the truth of the gospel, about this invitation being for all of us. The one who caused people to repent with honesty, who received the Holy Spirit, and who from his sermon, the early church was born. That same man was the one who stood with Jesus and said, whoa, 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 not that guy. He's different to me. Why do you want him to be one of us? I don't get it. This guy who didn't get how someone so different from him could be someone that Jesus would want becomes one of the apostles and the key leaders in this movement that we find ourselves a part of today. He was the one who taught this first Christian community, this first expression of church, how to have everything in common. And I hope what that does right from the start is let you breathe out. You are not the only one who finds it difficult to be in relationship with people who are different than you. You are not the only one, I'm not the only one who sometimes thinks the world would be a lot easier if everybody else was like me. Peter didn't get it either. But what I hope tonight is that the barriers that we feel to participating in or experiencing a community that we've either perceived or we've put up ourselves, the stereotypes that we find ourselves operating out of, the things that we've been holding, whether that's blessings or burdens from our community, that these don't need to define or constrict us or hold us back any longer, that you would be free to bring all of you to this community and to your worlds. And although The Chosen, which this clip was from, although it doesn't accurately say exactly what happened in Scripture, what it does do is kind of fill out our understanding from the words that God has decided that he would gift us in the Word, which are Scripture and all useful for teaching and all of that stuff. The Chosen helped me at least have this 3D image of what it looked like and what actually cost each of those disciples who were vastly different people to come and be united to the one in whom they'd been called to follow. These disciples had almost nothing in common. Almost nothing in common other than the one they'd been called to follow. And in choosing to follow Jesus, what happened? They realized actually they had everything And more in common. And what's really beautiful here is that what Jesus does is not condemn Peter. He doesn't say, like, there are other times, don't get me wrong, where he's like, don't you get it? Are you still that dumb? But this time, he doesn't condemn Peter. He doesn't kick him up the butt for being confused as to why different people would be called to follow him. He does offer him, however, an invitation into becoming. What's his response? He says, get used to different. This invitation, Peter, eventually he does take it up, but it took time and it took work and it actually took community. And I think it's kind of a funny oxymoron, if that's the correct use of that word, that the very people who we find it hard to gel with, or the reason we don't want to be part of a particular community, often are the exact same people who we need to learn how to be in community. These same people we put up barriers towards are the very people who God is using as an invitation to teach us what it means to be in community. So have those people in your mind this afternoon as we think about this. I think it's worth saying here that the type of community that I'm talking about tonight, I'm primarily referring to the church, not as a building or as an institution, but the ecclesia, which is the Greek word meaning the called out ones, the gathering, the fellowship, the community to which God has called us into. The Apostle Peter, again, same guy, he colors this definition out for us when he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He goes on to say, once you were not a people, once you were not a community, but now you are the people, the community of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And you can find that in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. Now, I don't have time to go into this tonight, but it would be a really interesting exercise if you wanted to trace kind of the story arc of the character Peter throughout the scripture. Let me just give you a few quick handles if you're taking notes, if you want to explore this later. Go research the calling of Simon Peter when Jesus approaches him in his boat. Go look into this calling of Matthew, the tax collector. Research what it was like for a fisherman and a tax collector in Jewish society to find themselves now in the same small group. Think about what that would have cost each of them to coexist in that relationship. Go read Acts 2 again in your own time and think about what Peter's words birthed. Not that it was him doing it, but he was faithful in his proclamation of the gospel. In Acts chapter 10, if you're following along with us reading Acts this month, we're doing one chapter a day, following the date, so it's super easy. It's the 13th, so we read chapter 13 today. Acts chapter 10, Peter has a vision. God shows to him what it looks like for Jew and Gentile to be in relationship together. That God has made everyone clean through Jesus, and who are we as humans to say you can't be part of it? But Then a few short chapters later in Acts 15, Something funny happens. Peter gets called out because his theology has changed his practice. Or his theology hasn't changed his practice, rather. And if you you go to Galatians chapter 2, you can read Paul's side of that story where he basically says, I told Peter what was up. Yeah, where his practice was not in line with the views that he'd come to know. And then this passage that we just read, which is Peter's own letter, his own epistle to the church. He boldly proclaims that we were once not a people, but now each of us have become the community and the collective people of God. Why do I say all this? Great question. Because from what we've briefly seen, and if you go into it in your, in your own time, what you'll see is that Peter's encounter with Jesus was real. Peter's relationship with Jesus was real and growing. He was becoming more like Jesus. His his theology of community was solid as. He had leadership gifts to cast vision and to teach a new community what it meant to become a community of God. People caught that vision. He must have communicated it really well because this community holds everything in common. But the life of Peter shows us that sometimes our theology of community and our practice of community can sometimes not really match up. His theology of community and his practice of community didn't always match up. And what he needed was sometimes to be reminded and realigned and reimagined with the heart of God for all of humanity. And this is important because we are a community by name, we're called the church, a chosen people, God's holy people, his special possession, but we're also called to be his church and his community by function. We actually have a role to play, and from 1 Peter, it's that we might declare the praises of he who's called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. We actually do have something to do together. How do we do this when our own definitions of community are vastly different? things? Good question. Richard Millington, who is not a follower of Jesus, but um, as I was researching, he's like an expert in online community. I don't know if you techie, nerdy people know about him, but I didn't. Anyway, he has five different types of community that he defines. First one is interest, so they're groups of people who share the same interest or passion. Number two is action, groups of people who try to bring about the same kind of change. The third type of community is place. So they're groups of people who are brought together by geographic boundaries. Then we have practice, groups of people who share the same profession or undertake the same activities. And lastly, fifth one is circumstance. So these are people who are brought together by external situations or events. Now, while I think a case could be made for some of these things that the disciples in the early church may have held some of these things in part in common, I don't know about you, but I can't really point to one of those things and say that was the summation of all that God had called them into as the Christian community. And so what makes Christian community distinct? Well, I think... That what makes Christian Christian community distinctly different from any other form of community is that our fellowship and our common sharing in life is not about interest. It's not primarily about action or a place or a practice or a circumstance. Although, rightfully, there are elements of these to each. But what our common sharing primarily is in is the gospel. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began this good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's our partnership in the gospel that makes Christian community distinctly different from any other type of community that you might participate in. A partnership in the gospel is something that transcends all other forms of community or connection. It's something that outlasts time and distance. One of my best partners in the gospel lives in Norway, and we lived in the same country for six weeks It transcends time and space and country and place. Partnership in the gospel forges stronger bonds than blood or mutual interest. Community can be people who like wearing tight clothing and transportation by two wheels. That's maybe, some would say, a valid mode of transport and a valid type of community. But the gospel is far deeper than that. Sorry to throw you all under the bus. New Life Brisbane Little Athletics Club meets once a month on a Sunday? Next Sunday for a bike ride. There you go. That's community. (laughs) But I digress. Gospel partnership is something that we can put complete confidence in that God will see through to completion. Other forms of community might break up when things change and, you know, you do them for a certain amount of time while you're in uni or you're at a certain job. Gospel partnerships outlast all of that. The gospel is something with the ability to gather the lost into a family, to raise the dead to life, to take us from darkness into God's kingdom of light. It has the ability to change even the hardest of heart, and ultimately it gifts us eternal life. There is no other community that can do that for us or in us. Let me pause here and talk to those of us in the room who might actually be feeling more like Matthew, the one who was behind that little fence in the movie. Maybe there's some of us here tonight who are thinking, me? Are you really calling me? You want me to follow you? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? I'm not welcome there. And what I want to say to you is that this gospel, this Jesus, this community is absolutely more than enough for you too. How? Peter outlines it for us in that passage that Jeremy read so beautifully. When the people say, what shall we do? In response to this message of the gospel, he says, repent and be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. The gospel is for anyone and for everyone, and that means you. That means you. And if that's not something that you have accepted before, then I'd love to just take a moment to pray a prayer with you. It's super simple. It's thank you, sorry, please. And if you want to join with me in that, please do. It just goes, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. Thank you that you died for my sin, that you raised to life, defeating death, and that you sat down at the right hand of the Father and made way for me to come home. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I participate in that do not help me to become like you and that hurt me and those around me please come and put your spirit in me. Please replace my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Please help me be obedient to you. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that for the first time or you thought about praying that for the first time and you didn't, please come and see me after the service. I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. I would love to have a conversation with you about it because our first establishment priority is to gather those who are lost. We should be seeing that every single week we gather. And as the, the guys mentioned before at New Life, um, if you have just become a Christian, if you're exploring what faith looks like, if you're new to New Life's community, Pathways is the very best next step for you to enter into that and Katie and Adrienne are running that starting this Wednesday, so if you haven't done Pathways, if you're still figuring out whether you even want to come to New Life or church at all, come and do Pathways. It's not something that's just for any particular person at any particular stage, but something that we as a community do together. And the best part about it is that we get to hear the ways that God is intersecting your story with our story. One of my favorite questions that I get to ask when we do Pathways is, What do you love about New Life? Now, I realize this is a risky question for someone in church leadership to ask because people might say nothing or they might tell you what they hate about it instead. That actually hasn't happened, praise God. Um, But the most common responses, there are two. When we ask what your favorite thing is about New Life and why you decided to stay, the most common responses are because of the teaching and because of the community. Guys, that's worth celebrating They are huge, significant things that the reason why people feel called to stay or be part of or explore New Life Brisbane is because the word is proclaimed and the community, the fellowship of those who gather is beautiful and real. Thank you. That is not a small thing. God is doing something very, very special in our midst. Take a look around you. Not necessarily with the person you came with, but maybe the person at the other end of your row across the aisle, maybe upstairs or downstairs, have a little stare at our worship team who are over in the corner. Do you see anyone who looks exactly like you? (laughs) I don't know what just happened, but sounds funny, so (laughs) fill me in later. (laughs) Well, that's a very good thing if you did it, and if you did, hopefully they're related to you and it's not weird, you know? Have you seen that um, thing on Facebook where it's like, are they dating or are they siblings? I think those things are really funny and kind of creepy. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) Oh, I'm distracted now. Wow. It's something worth celebrating, When the community that we are part of, very few people look or sound or think or dress like us. Maybe not that last one because some of us seem to have a very similar fashion sense. But it is a really special thing where a community of people can gather not because they're all in the same life stage or they all live in the same suburb, They all do the same job. They all have the same interests on the weekend. But because of the gospel, people who have very little external things in common now share the most important thing that we ever could. That is so worth celebrating about what God is doing here. But what happens when the church does build community around those things? A particular individual, maybe a celebrity pastor a life stage, a lifestyle preference, a social clique whether we build community about actually not addressing sin and just letting that fester behind the scenes and everyone's too scared to address it. Where we build community around those things, we actually distort who God has called us to be and the kind of community that we, um, the kind of community we'll experience as fruit of that will be hollow, shallow, and just a fragment of the fullness that God has actually called us into, that Jesus died to establish. But when we choose to build community around the gospel, where every single person is welcomed in, where the gospel is preached, where sin is confronted and where repentance is genuine, where the Holy Spirit is invited to have full reign, everything that once separated us pales in comparison to the reason we've been united in Christ. You left know, Brisbane, we have so much to celebrate about who God has made us to be. In so many ways if Jesus like in that little clip was to say to us, get used to different. In so many ways we'd actually be able to say, oh, we we kind of have. In so many ways we'd be able to do that, and that's so worth celebrating. But friends, if we start to build an identity as a church that has or does good community, but we don't stop to actually revisit and reimagine and realign ourselves with actually what that means in practice, who we are can quickly become who we were if it's not who we're becoming. Bonhoeffer would say it like this, he who loves the dream of community more than the community itself becomes the destroyer of the latter. He who loves the dream or the ideal of community more than the actual people who make up that community actually becomes the destroyer of the community that they're trying to be a part of, they're trying to imagine. You might be sitting there thinking, gosh, Loz, that took a dark twist. Why do I say this? Because New Life Brisbane, we're about to turn three next month. We're not a little baby church anymore. There are people in this room tonight who I don't know your names yet. That's exciting. God is not done drawing people to himself through this local church. But if we're not careful, who we are, good community, good teaching, can become who we were if it's not also who we're becoming. And so, three quick things that I want to share that might safeguard ourselves. Think of this only for you, not for your neighbor, not for your small group, not for the person on the other leadership team than you. Three things for you that might safeguard us from destroying the very thing that God has called us to be and become. Firstly, pray for your church. It's really hard to be bitter and angry and dislike, enchanted with something that you're praying for. It's really hard. I've tried. Don't you worry. The second thing is to examine your own heart. Are there things that you've withheld from this community that are actually stopping you from participating fully? We're very good. I'm very good at saying, oh, it's that person's fault, and they acted like this, so I couldn't share that, and they said this, so I didn't say that. But check your own heart. I need to check my own heart. What are my motivations? Have I idolized community in such a way that's actually prevented me from ever experiencing its fullness because it's something that I've idealized, not actually the person who's sitting right in front of me. And the third thing that we can do to safeguard the kind of community that we're called to be and become is to get our hands dirty. Like praying for your church, it's really hard to be disenchanted if you're part of what we're building with the Lord. Because friends, we have a really big dream here at New Life Brisbane to see Brisbane like it is in heaven. That can't just be accomplished by me and Aaron and Jamie and Alex because we're on staff. That can't just be seen happen by our MLTs or our small group leaders or our host team. This has to be part of each of our DNA. If we wanna see more people become more like Jesus, that is gonna take more people becoming more like Jesus. That means you. And so how do we ensure that we remain a community that not just by name, but also by practice, by function, is becoming more like Jesus and seeing more people become like Him too? I think really, there are about a billion answers, but to be simple, but also complicated, it's just being obedient to Jesus. His command in John 13 is this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. What does this look like in practice? I think it's actually right where we started. It's a community of people who have little to nothing in common, but who have responded to the invitation to get used to different and have entered into partnership in the gospel. It's a gathering where the gospel is proclaimed, where sin is confronted and repentance is real. It's where the lost are gathered in and welcomed home into a community that does not give up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, which the author of Hebrews would encourage us against, but one that is devoted to the teaching and the living of the word, devoted to fellowship, devoted to holding everything in common so that no one is in need community who is devoted to worship, which is communion and prayer and praise and rejoicing. Friends, to love one another in practice, in these tangible ways, results in the type of community that ultimately, like in Acts, like in that early church, is ultimately a witness to a watching world an invitation to a watching world that this Jesus, this gospel, this community is for all. To see more people, more like Jesus, each one of us is called to respond to an invitation to the family of God, to repent of our sins and to believe in the Lordship and the saviourness of Jesus. We're mobilized in our gifts as the body of Christ, each person offering what they have, two fish and five loaves all the other way around, something small, but asking what's in our hand, what do I have to bring? And ultimately it's so that as we participate in this type of community that God is bringing to himself, we participate in this goal of Christian community, which ultimately is that the watching world would know that Jesus is Lord and that they would come and join in too. And as I finish tonight, I want to highlight to you one group of people in our midst who do this exceptionally. If you were a small group leader, would you be able to stand right now? We have about 120 people who show up to church on a Sunday. And on paper, friends, we have 130 people in small groups. That doesn't happen. And yet it does. And that is because of the way that you have bought into what God is doing through new life. And it's because of the faithfulness of some of these guys standing. And the likes of Aaron and Jamie and Brent, Kevin and Susie, Ben Prebeno, who... Previously, were faithfully small group leaders, but through this season of life have changed their leadership into different areas. So thank you. What I'd love to do is actually invite Pastor Alex to come and pray for these guys and commission them because these guys are the ones who are teaching us so much about how to become more like Jesus in our small groups throughout the week. These are the ones that we do life with. These are the ones who we call when we're upset when we've lost our job, when we need a meal. And guys, to see more people more like Jesus in our city, we are gonna need to have all of us standing. Can you imagine if this time next year, each one of us was standing as a leader of a small group? Maybe not in the same capacity as a church official one, but maybe you started a prayer group at work. Maybe you went and joined a run club. Maybe New Life Little Athletics Club started bringing along people who weren't yet Christians and saw them become Christians. It's gonna take all of us. So get your hands dirty. Al, would you come and would you pray and commission
1: these guys? Awesome. Can I just encourage, if you're near a small group leader that's standing, can I just encourage you to reach out your hand? We'd love this not to be a moment where we pray a prayer from the front, but actually one in which this entire community participates. And we'd love the Spirit of God to fall on those who lead small groups in and throughout this city, that they might become the outposts of the kingdom of heaven that we envision them to be. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you're the King of the universe and you're the King of our hearts. And that in and through not just me, not just uh, other leaders, but particularly through small group leaders, Father, you are seeing more people become more like Jesus. We pray for our small group leaders this afternoon, Father. Father, we ask that you pour your spirit out on them. We ask that they too might apprentice under you and genuinely be transformed more into the image of your son. We pray, Father, you would burden them with a pastoral heart for those in their care. We pray you give them wisdom and discernment about how best to respond to that which is going on in their lives and, Lord, courage and bravery to speak the truth in love. Father, we pray that our small groups might grow, not so we can pat ourselves on the back because of breadth, but we can honour you because of the depth of our love for you, Jesus. Father, we ask that you pour your spirit out on our small group leaders. And Father, we just open up a time now. Church, I'd just love to give us 30 seconds. And in your own heart and mind, can I just encourage you, just lift up a prayer for the small group leader around you, noting that their role and their leadership sees to it that our church is the church that God's calling it to become. So just let's lift up a prayer for our small group leaders. That comes to my mind is you know, those satellite images of the earth and it's nighttime, but they show you the light pollution dotted around a city like these little microcosms of light, these little lanterns. And sure, we gather on a Sunday and there's a big light here, we pray in Jesus' name, but there are lanterns burning throughout the week in our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces because of the glory of God our works in our midst, they should be better off. And so, Father, I pray for us. I pray you'd make us more like Jesus. I pray your kingdom would come, your will would be done here in Brisbane City and in the neighbourhoods we find ourselves in. Lord, for our good, your glory, and the sake of the world, we pray. Amen. Hey, Amen.
2: You guys can take a seat. Friends, as we continue in worship, why don't you stand? Sorry, that was awkward. (laughs) But if something um, in the scriptures that we examined in that video, in something that was done in your own heart through the Holy Spirit, or if maybe one of those three things really challenged you that you need to pray for your community, that you need to examine your own heart, or that you need to get your hands dirty. I'm going to be over the side. Alex and Jeremy might come over as well. and We would love to join you in prayer. If you gave your life to the Lord for the first time or you're wanting to explore that, come and just have a conversation. Um, but yeah, let's let's dis- declare this gospel, the one who has called us out of darkness into his life. Let's do that through some